Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's the securities rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm every year's Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Got a couple of things we're covering here today. Well, Biden's FHFA rule forcing those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages. Guess what? It's an illegal tax. Why? Because the sucker hasn't been written by Congress. And this has prompted officials from 27 states to assail this thing as, quote, unquote, disastrous, as well as, quote, unquote, one of the most backward incentives imaginable. Also, Hispanics shift to Republicans, as evidenced by 60% of them in Florida voting for Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Because they reject the woke socialism camouflaged as a cure against their claims of non-existent American systemic evils. So the real question is, how will this phenomenon impact, perhaps impact, the 2024 election? Well, I'll tell you, apropos of this curiosity, I came across a piece in South Florida's Sun Sentinel. Uh, the headline is, Hispanics are turning Republican and they'll vote for Ron DeSantis in 2024. It's an opinion, an opinion piece, and it's by uh, none other than uh, my guest right now, and I'm so happy he could join us. He is uh, Gabriel Lanes, spelled double L-A-N-E-S. He's executive director for ReadyForRon.com. Uh, Gabriel, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us back on the show. Appreciate it as always. No, a pleasure, a pleasure indeed. Um, that's right. We have had you before. I want to share with people a bit of what you open up with. You say across America, Republicans are winning more and more Hispanic votes, cutting into the Democratic Party's longstanding advantage. Democrats have grown complacent with voters from Cuba, Venezuela, and other Latin American countries. 
They made the mistake of not realizing or just ignoring that Hispanics are not a monolithic community. There are many, many different kinds of Hispanics, all with different perspectives and unique interests, making matters worse for Democrats. They have become more radical and left-wing than ever before. Today's far-left Democrats simply cannot appeal to a Hispanic population that is culturally conservative at its core. It's true. They're big on family. They're big on faith. Uh, they sure as hell are big on accepting that we have two genders and not 36. I'm being a little snarky here, and I say this is somebody who supports the trans community, but at the same time, I'm finding myself getting very impatient with the idea that uh, trans females feel they have the right to rival naturally born females in competitive sports when, as a matter of science, they have a verifiable physiological advantage over those naturally born females. This, in my estimation, uh, completely blows away Title IX, and it's not only unfathomable, it's unforgivable. But anyway, am I correct in asserting that this, too, is one of those areas in which many in in the Hispanic community might be taking exception to as we speak, sir? It's definitely unfathomable to parents when there's kids off to schools and coming back uh, from a long day at school and a long day of work. They're sitting around the dinner table and you know the kids are asking, what, what, do you, what, do you, what did you learn in school today? And instead of hearing about data analytics, programming, AI, the things that, that people are going to need into the future to be a part of a, 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 a workforce, a, a future workforce, they're coming back and they're telling mommy, daddy, what I learned about today is that I could be a boy, I could be a girl. Uh, uh, Jimmy is, 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 is now a Barbie. And, and, and it's frightening a lot of parents. It's frightening a lot of parents when you're sticking this garbage into our students' heads. And unfortunately, they're not being prepared for the things that they should be prepared for, which is the workforce of the future. Um, And and I do think that this is by design. This is most definitely by design. Uh, um, They don't want us to be prepared. Uh, They don't want us to have a population prepared for the workforce of the future. Why? Because ultimately they want it to be on the government dole. Uh, that, 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 that certainly scares a lot of people who come from, you know, South American countries, whether it's Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, Argentina, you name it. Uh, they've all seen that this is how it starts. It starts in the school systems, um, and it makes their minds mush, uh, and it turns them into socialists. Really, and, and it's, it's a, you know, they're really just borrowing uh, the principles, uh, or I shouldn't say principles, I should say the tactics of, what is really 2,400-year-old Athenian sophistry, wherein you use movable standard arguments. You know, you rename a thing as being something other than what it is in order to gain the ground your arguments otherwise could not. You use these presuppositions masquerading as settled argument versus showing how the argument was ever actually settled. And I know one tactic, for instance, is to rename socialism as social justice and then attach it Mm -hmm. to uh, a minority identity group thus ensuring that any subsequent criticism against socialism can now be characterized as criticism against the minorities of that identity group uh, behind which that relabeled socialism has been placed. That's pretty much the trick, is it not? I see you've been reading Sololinsky's Rules for Radicals. Uh, this is the, uh, the shocking thing to me is that this is nothing new. This is something out of their playbook that they've been doing for a long Actually, time. Actually, it's, it's not Sololinsky. It's Socrates, the last days of Socrates and the Gorgias. <laughs> uh, Socrates once famously said, as written by Plato, because Socrates never wrote anything, he said the uh, supreme object of a man's efforts in public and private life must be the reality rather than the appearance of goodness. 
And it does seem as if the left these days love to camouflage something as being other than what it is. For instance, they'll use labels in lieu of arguments they can't otherwise satisfy. And then they'll go ahead and predicate on that assertion just other assertions. And I think that's why the woke will eventually be put to sleep because people grow tired of assertions endlessly predicated on what are just other assertions with only shaming tactics used as their validation. Sololinsky, I think, just took a page out of the ancient uh, sophistry book of uh, old Athenian Greece, of old Athens, Greece. That's all it was. And, and, and he revived it, or am I mistaken? No, and look, to your point, especially when people are feeling it in, in, in the real world. When, when, when folks are coming home and the inflation is hurting their pockets, and we all know people vote uh, with their pocketbooks, uh, and, and they, see, they turn on the television and, and anybody who's talking about the, the debasing of the currency, something we've been seeing for forever now, uh, uh, gets shut down with your racist. Uh, it, it's just not it, it's not going to play for very long, is it? Uh, I mean, people are feeling this. It's, it's not an imagination. It's not an opinion. It's it's the fact of, of, of the real world that we're living in right now. And I don't think it's going to last for or get very far with the Democrats. And we're definitely seeing it, the, the, the trends in, in, in that direction. I like how you pointed out in your article, you said Hispanics are patriotic people. Their faith in God and family is strong, and they love America. They came to the United States for a reason, not to hear America's name dragged through the mud, but to live the American dream. And millions of Hispanics are living that dream on a daily basis. I'm one of them, proudly enjoying life in America's freest state, Florida, and its most exciting city, Miami. Uh, If you're looking for a strong work ethic, look no further than Hispanic communities. Hispanics admire and strive for wealth rather than demonizing it. They want to experience prosperity for themselves, and they want their children to live it too. Hispanics also believe in school choice because they care about what students are taught in the classroom. So you appreciate, and and the Hispanic community as a whole seems to appreciate, that uh, we should be teaching kids how to think, not what to think. Exactly. I think it illustrates it perfectly what I wrote there. Um, the, the major part for me is, hey, Hispanics want our kids to be successful. They don't look down on wealth. They look up and they, they admire it. Exactly. Gabriel, if you could, buddy, just hang on the line for just a moment, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. Spring is here. Time to get out of the gym and take your workout outdoors. Whether you're walking, running, swimming, or biking, it's important to have a proper warm-up routine to prevent injuries. Five-time Ironman Triathlon World Champion Craig Crowey-Alexander has some advice. Sprains, strains, and injuries can happen to any athlete. Even a minor injury can affect your performance and derail your fitness routine. One of the best ways to try and prevent injuries is to make sure you prepare properly. Alexander recommends always starting with a 10 to 15 minute dynamic warm-up. Activation exercises combined with some dynamic movements like lunges are great for warming up. Focus on one specific movement at a time until you feel ready to go. 
Be sure to listen to your body and use proper support gear when needed to protect yourself and prevent injury. The Curad Performance Series Ironman lineup includes rugged supports, wraps, kinesiology tape, bandages, and analgesics to support you on your fitness journey. For more, go to curad.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to skill 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Um, right now, we're joined by an old friend of the show uh, who wrote a wonderful piece. His name is Gabriel Lanes, spelled double L-A-N-E-S. He's executive director of ReadyForRon.com pack. Um, he wrote a piece in the Sun Sentinel. Uh, this is a South Florida publication. And its uh, title is Hispanics are Turning Republican, and they'll vote for Ron DeSantis in 2024. Um, 
you know, it's good to have you back, buddy. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having us, Adam. And I appreciate you also sticking around, Gabriel. I really do. Um, we were talking um, just before break about how Hispanics are turning away from identity politics. And I think overall, the more Americans in general hear about things like critical race theory, for instance, um, the more they hate it. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, according to a YouGov economic or economist poll out really not that long ago, 58% of the country are against it, while 38% are for it. And given that YouGov is notoriously left-leaning, one has to believe that that's 58% is perhaps even higher. But what's your read on this? I mean, and do you expect to see even more, let's say, parental opposition to racist constructs like CRT, critical race theory? Because Ron DeSantis, just to tap into a guy that you support, uh, recently the good governor himself announced that, quote, critical race theory is basically teaching people to hate our country and hate each other. He added that, quote, it's divisive and it's basically an identity politics version of Marxism, unquote. He basically, he's basically against using the tools of racism in the name of fighting it. And his message seems to be resonating around the country quite dramatically, especially with the Hispanic community, or am I overstating it? Gabriel. No, because it's it, it, it's true, Alan. Uh, I, I mean, you have a number of Democrats who are out there on television. We've all seen it. Who are who are talking about critical race theory, which which it basically says that there's systemic racism throughout every single institution in this country. They can't prove it. They've never been able to point to any facts. There's no statistics proving so. In fact, the statistics prove the complete opposite. Uh, yet they keep going down this rabbit hole. And every time that they do, when they got, get called out on it by the Ron DeSantis or others. Um, they inevitably go back to the, the finger pointing of, well, then you must be a racist, right? Um, uh, when, when, when you've lost the debate, uh, turn to the tool of slander. And, and, and the American people well, have seen it up, particularly among the Hispanics. Yeah, they just use labels in lieu of arguments they can't otherwise satisfy. I mean, the Florida school board, <clears throat> after those comments of DeSantis, they recently banned CRT. But, of course, the Florida Teachers Union says, well, the rule change will hurt students because it covers up history. But that's, again, a presupposition masquerading as settled argument versus showing how the argument's ever been uh, actually settled. How do you know you're covering up history just because you reject CRT, which seems to be in and of itself a covering up of history? I mean, the claim that it covers up history is a naked presupposition masquerading as settled argument, is it not? They're very good at this, aren't they? They've been doing it for a very long time. I think this is why they've become they, they, they've become more militant recently. Uh, Republicans historically have not stood up to 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 the, these type of attacks. Uh, we've apologized. We've been we've been afraid of uh, of being called all kinds of names under the books. Uh, and and here, you know, over the last couple of years, we've started to stand up. Now we have somebody like Governor DeSantis who stands up and says, no, it's simply not true. We're not going to go up there and say this stuff. And, and I don't care what it is that you go out there, whether you, whether you call one of our one of our bills that's is trying to uh, stop the sexualization of classrooms, don't say gay, or, or, or whether it's a major corporation like Disney trying to uh, institute legislation through a policies in a corporate structure. We, we Republicans are finally pushing back. The Democrats are seeing, uh, they're panicking, and they're becoming more and more militant because of it. Yeah, because the people are starting to uncover the, the masturbated sophistry to which they've been subjected. I mean, I'm sorry, but when CRT proponents try to box folks into these maneuvered self-fulfilling prophecies which catch 22 endings, um, folks seem to sense what's going on. Matter of fact, one of CRT's biggest supporters, 
is this uh, author and activist, Ibram X. Kendi. You've heard of him, yes? Yep. Anyway, this guy uh, in July of 2021, he told an American Federation of Teachers conference that, quote, to be anti-racist is to admit the times which were being racist. And then he added, to be racist is to constantly, consistently deny, 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 like Donald Trump, unquote. Now, what that means is that in order for whites or anyone who's not African-American, like including Asians as well, in order for whites and Asians and and, and even Hispanics to be anti-racist, they must admit that they're racist because denying it would mean that they're racist. Think about that. This is especially focused on whites. In order for whites to be considered anti-racist, they must admit that they're racist because denying it would mean that they are racist. What the F? Once you assert that anybody is more likely to be racist because of his or her pigmentation, isn't that exactly when your own racism becomes self-evident? Or am I overstating it, Gabriel? No, no. People like Mr. Kendi, who, who consider themselves, I guess, anti-racist activists, right? Um, they, 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 they seem to gloss over the fact that they're, they are the most racist people out there. When you're looking at someone and immediately put, uh, think about their skin color, that is, that, that is the definition of racism. Exactly. Uh, what, 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 you know, it's, it's interesting that their country is going into this way, and I, and I, I, I didn't uh, quite think about talking about this, but you see uh, the, something so, so innocuous like the, 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 uh, the NFL draft on the SPN, and the first thing that they point out is that for the top three quarterbacks taken are black, and most people are like, I didn't even think about that. Who, that, that didn't even cross my mind. Who gives a crap? Sit there and think, who gives a crap? That didn't cross my mind. That's racist. They thought about that. It's racist to the fuck that that even crossed their brains. And Isn't that's that funny? what Mr. Kennedy doesn't understand. Real, they don't seem to realize that once you make assertions of racism without premise, you're actually committing racism in the name of fighting it because what you're doing is you're using race. Exactly. You're using race to intimidate dissent, and that actually fulfills the very mission statement of racism, does it not? Exactly. It's, it's, it's no different than when you go to your local Walmart and, and the products labeled black owned business. Nobody, uh, Adam, nobody cares. Uh, is your cream the best cream? Is it going to heal the sores on my hands? Yes or no. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you're telling me something different, that is racist that you have to point this out. Uh, it, it's, it's so incredibly, I don't know if it's naive. Or, or, or just backwards of these folks. But it's very interesting that you mentioned Mr. Kennedy because every time I see him, it just it, it makes my skin crawl. Oh, he does, doesn't it? I, you know, I, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, he, he doesn't always get things right, but I always thought he hit it on the head. <laughs> I always thought he hit the nail on the proverbial head when he once said, relevant to a particular uh, ruling, he said, quote, the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Uh, it had to do with quota systems in college ca- on college campuses, I believe. <clears throat> but I always thought that rang true. The way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. If you're going to start attributing good things uh, to uh, certain demographics because of their ethnicity, that means you're going to start being obligated to attribute negative things with that same logic. How about that? We're all equal in potential with our capabilities, so that means we're all equal in potential with our fallibilities. If there's a par with the good, there's a par with the bad. 
That's what universal equality would seem to indicate, would it not, Gabriel? Exactly right. Stop discriminating folks based on race. Stop thinking about people based on race. We're all capable or, or not capable based on our own individuality. And that's what Republicanism stands for. Excellent way of putting it. Gabriel Lanes, thanks for joining us. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common. But after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools... Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? 
Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Well, Biden's FHFA rule forcing those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages. This sucker's an illegal tax because it hasn't been written by Congress. And this has actually been prompting officials, officials from 27 different states, to assail this thing as, quote-unquote, disastrous, as well as, quote, one of the most backward incentives imaginable, unquote. And uh, it it is a head spinner. It really is a head spinner. This is not going to help anybody out, none whatsoever. Um, I mean, even Obama's former federal housing official, uh, administration commissioner, one David Stevens, smacked this sucker around. He said, quote, we can do better programs to help more minorities get into home ownership. This is not the way to do it. And... uh, it, it, it just seems as if this is going to harm more than it's going to help. I mean, given that this has a provable negative impact on millions having good credit with easily shown linkage um, to the constitutionally noncompliant action uh, in focus, uh, you, you have to wonder how long it's going to be before we start seeing multiple lawsuits. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing all front of the show, E.J. Anthony, um, or Antony, I should say, I'm sorry, uh, research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's also a senior fellow at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Uh, E.J., good to have you back. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No, oh, pleasure, pleasure indeed. Listen, just to crystallize this a little bit more, uh, I want to go ahead and use a clip. We've got this exchange from Fox Business's Mornings with Maria. It's, it's actually hosted by guest host Cheryl Carson. Um, she's uh, just uh, given the uh, airwaves to reporter Jeff Flock, and he quotes FHFA uh, director Sandra Thompson, who denies that people with higher credit scores are being charged more to subsidize people with lower credit scores when it comes to mortgages. And Jeff counters that by actually quoting the numbers on the increase and then you're going to hear someone else chime in, one Aaron Sykes, chief economist with NetSeekers, pointing out the unfairness of the construct. 
And then Jeff is going to continue to note that interest rates are lower for people with lower credit and concludes by saying that even uh, former Obama administration officials have come out against it. I just want to lay the groundwork for you. Clip two, James, if you please. What the Federal Housing Finance Authority says about it, it says, and I quote the director, higher credit score buyers aren't being charged more so that low credit score buyers can pay less. But we took a look at the numbers. It's kind of not what the way it looks like. If you have a 640 credit score, for example, which is considered below average, and you put 20% down on a $350,000 mortgage, you were paying about $10,000 in fees. Now you'll pay less than $8,000. But if you have a 740 credit score, which is very good, you were paying less than 2000 in fees, now more than 3000 in fees. It's an idea of fairness. You know, the responsible people who have done the right thing, who have kept their credit in check, they're being hit with yet another fee. And Cheryl, it's not just fees. It's also a little bit of a break for low credit score buyers when it comes to interest rates. Even former Obama administration HUD officials say they support the idea of trying to help people out with low credit scores. But this isn't the way to go about it, especially now. And EJ, again, as I mentioned earlier, treasurers and other officials from 27 states are calling this thing disastrous. And the reason is because the good credit folks needed to subsidize the bad credit ones are going to naturally hold back buying a home, thus meaning they'll also be holding on to the ones they have because they're already enjoying already locked in lower rates. And that's going to consequently drain the housing market of both inventory and buyers thus further damaging the economy when you think about it. Where am I exaggerating? No, that, I, I agree. I mean, you know, and disastrous is one word for it. I was thinking of another one, but I'm going to stick with disastrous because at least I can say that on the public airwaves. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people are missing here, too, is that you know, history may not repeat, but it certainly rhymes. This is shockingly like what we did in the run-up to the housing crisis when we created the subprime uh, mortgage bubble. And what we're what we're doing here is you're essentially getting people who normally would not be able to qualify for a certain mortgage, right? Because you're you're going for a mortgage payment when you go to get a mortgage, right? You have a certain amount you can spend per month. And that in conjunction with the interest rate dictates how much home you can buy. So by artificially decreasing that you that interest rate, you are increasing the amount of homes somebody can buy. In other words, we are yet again taking people with poor credit and putting them in homes they can't afford. We've already seen how this song ends, and it does not end well. We are not helping these people. We are putting them on a path to future insolvency. No, good point. Very good point. And I think that's what actually is on the minds of these officials from the 27 states that wrote a letter to Biden and the FHFA uh, director, once again, Sandra Thompson. Uh, They said that, uh, quote, it is already clear that this new policy will be a disaster. As a matter of fact, Fox Business's uh, Peter Kasparowicz uh, reported that the letter was led by blue state Pennsylvania treasurer Stacey Garrity, who further stated that, quote, it amounts to a middle class tax hike that will unfairly cost American families millions upon millions of dollars and at a time when the real estate market has already slowed considerably due to high interest rates, it'll further depress home sales, unquote. And the letter, once more from the 27 states, added that, quote, we urge you to take immediate action to end this unconscionable policy, unquote. Let me ask you, EJ, how bad will this have to get before... Biden and company maybe reverses courts. I mean, there's going to be plenty of lawsuits. I'm kind of surprised that Congress hasn't put forward a lawsuit 
uh, relevant to this, uh, you know, the separation of powers, because this sucker is like a tax being written by the executive unilaterally, is it not? Yes, but in terms of how much worse things have to get before this administration changes course, I mean, my goodness, they haven't changed course on anything yet, even as things continue to degrade almost on a daily basis. So I'm not sure. I I have to imagine things need to get considerably worse before they're going to start changing their mind on literally anything. I mean, look at the I saw them change their mind on one thing. I saw them change their mind on one thing, and it had to do with D.C. wanting to relax um, penalties for criminals. Across the board, they were going to be doing some grotesquely stupid things, and uh, the GOP were able to get a majority of the House and even a majority of the Senate to agree with them that it would be an absolute debacle if that were permitted to go forward. And Biden had originally said he would veto uh, such a bill, and then he changed his mind and said, no, I won't veto the bill. But that's the only thing. That's the only thing I ever remember no, no, flipping that's, on. But that's a great. That's actually a great example. I think you make an amazing point here, and it's this: this administration, just like the people in Congress, had zero interest in the laws in D.C. until it started affecting them. Once you had congressmen, for example, assaulted on the street or, or robbed or carjacked, whatever the case may be, then all of a sudden the elite ruling class was interested. And so because this banking crisis is not affecting this administration, because uh, uh, unaffordable housing is not affecting this administration, inflation, you name it. I mean, look at prices at the grocery store. We're seeing energy prices go back up now, too. But this administration, the bureaucrats are immune from the negative consequences of their own actions. And so until that changes, meaning things need to get considerably worse, I think they're not going to change their minds. Well, then it should have to be changed by the courts. I mean, come on, this is a this is a slam dunk. This is a violation of the separation of powers in the most rudimentary sense. I think that right now the GOP is demonstrating that it has its collective head up its collective butthole because the only thing they're doing about it is saying, well, we're going to come up with a – we're going to form a law in the House and uh, we're going to pass this law that says they're, they're violating separation of power. You don't need to come up with a law to say this when you have already existing laws that make it perfectly clear, including constitutional law, like Article 1, that makes it abundantly clear that the executive cannot unilaterally vite, you know, cut taxes, or, or not cut taxes, but, but elevate taxes. The executive cannot unilaterally bring forward taxation. It, 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 taxes, anything having to do with taxes, must originate with Congress, and it would seem that Congress has all the standing in the world on this issue. Where am I mistaken? No, I, I think that's exactly right. And you know, now that now that Republicans finally have one of the houses in Congress, now they can actually say we have standing and we can sue. Whereas before, when the Democrats controlled both houses, you couldn't get leadership in either house to sue. And so say, I'm hey, screaming the question, standing. EJ: Why isn't the GOP-led House doing just that? Versus, you know, g- coming up with this kabuki dance of oh, we're going to come up with a law. What? To say, what, 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 when we already know that it's illegal, we've already got plenty of laws saying that what Biden's trying to do can't be done. How is writing another one going to have any impact? And, and is it going to be, are we going to see a great squandering of time? They could more expeditiously and expediently get this sucker stopped in the judiciary, could they not, EJ? 
I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that is the way to go. Go at it through the, through the judiciary right now. Not a doubt. E.J. Anthony is with us. Actually, E.J., if you can, hang on the line for just a moment, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his his first first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? 
or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. It looks to me a bit like 0708 when we were throwing money at people who could not repay their loans. I know it's on a smaller scale, but it looks similar to me. How about you? A hundred percent, Stuart. And it, it's bizarre world. Uh, the that fee that's charged, you know, PMI, which is uh, personal mortgage insurance, that fee that FHA charges is intended to punish those with lower credit scores and, and riskier loans to basically level the playing field from a risk perspective. What, we, what are we doing? We're doing the opposite. If you have a high credit score and 680 is a good credit score, you have to pay more. And we're talking about real money. This could be one hundred dollars a month more. Uh, depending on the size of your loan. So it makes no sense. And by the way, this isn't about first-time homebuyers. There's nothing in this rule that says it applies to first-time homebuyers. It applies to anybody borrowing money that's insured by FHA. It's madness. We're talking about Biden's FHFA rule forcing those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages. Um, You were listening to an exchange on um, Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney. Stewart notes that the new FHA rule where people with good credit are effectively fined to help pay for higher-risk people sort of reminds him a bit of what led to the 2008 crash. One Mitch Rochelle, Madison Ventures uh, Plus Managing Director, he describes what's going on and notes that it's not just about first-time homeowners as advertised, but rather it applies to anybody looking to take out a loan. doesn't matter how many homes you've had in the past. Um, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing none other than uh, E.J. Antony. He's a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's also a senior fellow at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He's here to chat with us a little further about the board, the Biden mortgage rule, which seems to be very counterintuitive. Um, E.J., appreciate you sticking around. Thanks so much. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you repeat yourself? I think we, we lost you a little bit there. Are you there? Oh, no, I I just said my pleasure. Thank you for keeping me around. No, no, happy to have you, happy to have you. Again, just to emphasize this, if we go through with this Biden madness, and it does technically start, it's already in motion, um, the good credit folks needed to subsidize the bad credit ones, they're going to wind up, 
they're going to hold back buying a home, which means they'll also be holding on to the ones they already have because of their already locked in lower rates, consequently draining the housing market, when you think about it, draining that housing market of both inventory and buyers, really thus further damaging the economy. Where, where am I getting off? Where am I off base at all? I, I don't think that is off base. And, and one of the great things that that clip you just played, uh, you know, it, it, it implies, or I guess it... EJ, I'm sorry, on. if you could repeat what you were saying. I think you were, uh, you were lost to our audience for a bit. Please recap what you had just stated. Oh, no, I, sorry, I was saying I, I, I think you're absolutely right in that assessment. But also in that clip you just played, uh, it, it brought up something very important, which is the fact that the interest rate is just a price, and a price is a piece of information. It's, it's the price that you're paying to borrow money. And that price is dictated on your ability to repay that loan. And if you're somebody who has high credit, who has demonstrated inability in the past to borrow money and pay it back on time, then guess what? Future borrowing is cheaper for you. But if you're the opposite, if you're someone who has not been responsible with credit, then the lender needs to cover that risk. And they do it by charging you a higher interest rate. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why the uh, letter from those 20 state, 27 states, these were uh, treasurers and other financial officials from 27 states, uh, again, led by, by Pennsylvania Treasury, uh, uh, one Stacy Garrity, pointed out the following. The policy will take money away from the people who played by the rules and did things right, including millions of hardworking middle-class Americans who built a good credit score and saved enough to make a strong down payment. They additionally stated this, quote, incredibly, those who make down payments of 20% or more on their homes will pay the highest fees, one of the most backward incentives imaginable. I mean, you know, I, I tell you, EJ, this would normally be clear to even students taking the most rudimentary high school economics class, would it not? It, it would, but, you know, we're looking at an administration right now that has essentially zero private sector experience. When you look at the people in the highest levels within this administration, you know, a report came out last year that showed that the median uh, private sector work experience of the Biden administration's highest level officials is something like one and a half years. I mean, that's, that's frankly pathetic. These people have no idea how markets work, how the real world works. They have no idea uh, how to how to operate financial markets or how how to keep financial markets liquid. I mean, no, they're just, they're just trying to do government fair. by governance by coercion. They don't understand the rudiments of capitalism. Look, anytime you disrupt the otherwise symbiotic relationship between productivity and reward, you screw things up. But they're so busy demonizing capitalism that they don't realize that without it, you can't create or you don't have the vehicle to create the wealth from which you need uh, or, or from which you need taxes I, I think about it capitalism is just the creating selling and buying of goods and services for the purposes of providing for wants and needs you know if you don't succeed with capitalism you get to try again if you do succeed well that means i'm i'm self-sufficient you know if i if what it is i'm selling works out well i'm self-sufficient if it works out so well that i can't keep up with demand well that manifests itself in my needing help, which, of course, equals expanded employment, which creates that many more people earning that many more dollars, therefore paying that many more in taxes to a treasury so that we can you know, continue affording all these social safety net programs we want. 
But that's all capitalism is, the, the, the creating, selling, and buying of goods and services for the purposes of providing for wants and needs. And you don't get that creating wealth, that, that vehicle that does create wealth, by constantly trying to coerce people in counterintuitive fashions. I mean, right now what they're doing is going to harm the economy, right? I mean, because if you have good credit folks who, again, are needed to subsidize the bad credit ones, those good credit folks will hold back buying a home, thus meaning they'll also be holding on to the ones they already have because of their already locked in lower rates, which is going to drain the housing market, again, of both inventory and buyers. Where am I mistaken? No, once again, I, I think that's a very, very accurate assessment. I, I guess I would just add that these people in this administration uh, have such hubris that they think that they can organize society better and more efficiently and even worse, more equitably uh, than the free market, than the capitalist system you just articulated operating on its own. Really? I mean, once you do this, you hurt market resonance. Without market resonance, I don't care how much of a socialist or a communist you are. When you leave your house, what is it you want? You want to know that you're going to get the most for your money. You're looking to to acquire the most you can for the least amount of money spent. Well, you don't get that desire accommodated without market resonance. And market resonance cannot exist without capitalism. You want more tax revenue? Then allow for a more robust capitalistic state, because that's how you're going to get the wealth you need. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website. Mainstreetradionetwork.com.